It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. So what states have the best universities and the best degrees with the most important thing, greatest return on investment? Because that's the question you really ought to be getting to when you're thinking about where to send your children off to college. Now there's a new report that has some of those answers. The Foundation for Research and Equal Opportunity has ranked all 50 states, public university systems. So we want to check out what are the results, how do Utah do, what's the impact, and why should we be asking different kinds of questions when it comes to ROI? What's the return on investment when it comes to education? Preston Cooper is a senior fellow at the Foundation for Research and Equal Opportunity, joins us on the line. Preston, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, so uh, give me a high-level look at this first in terms of just creating this focus in terms of ROI. Absolutely. Well, so as you mentioned, ROI is basically what is the lifetime increase in earnings that you can expect to get from having a a college degree? And then what is that lifetime increase in earnings minus the cost of college, both tuition and opportunity cost, time spent out in the labor force? So at my organization, the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, we calculated ROI for 60,000 degree certificate programs across the country. And what we've done in this uh, latest study is basically we've taken the average ROI for each of the 50 state public university systems to say which states are doing the best at providing economic opportunity, economic mobility uh, for their young people. Uh, And it turns out the uh, state that comes on top, out on top, is uh, South Dakota, followed by Minnesota, Iowa, and Kansas. Uh, These are all states that have very well-developed, you know, technical college systems, you know, very labor market relevant. Uh, so, but unfortunately, you know, that's not the case uh, for every state. Some states are doing much better than others. Yeah, and so as you as you look at that, um, uh, how much of that is dependent just on that school or, or as you said, that infrastructure in terms of technical colleges, kind of the rounding things out in terms of what the labor market is most likely to need? That's a huge part of it. So, you know, South Dakota, for instance, take an example. That's the state that uh, comes out on top. It's got places like the South Dakota School of Mines and Lake Area Technical College, and they offer degrees in fields like mechanical engineering, agricultural business and management, vehicle maintenance and repair uh, They that uh, offer a very high return. But the other aspect of this that's important is that they also make sure that these degrees are accessible to a very broad population. You know, you can create a great degree program, but if only a few students can access it, that's not going to you know provide a whole lot of economic opportunity. So what these states that are coming out on top are doing is they're creating these great programs, but they're also making sure they're accessible to a very broad swath of the population. They're making the uh, the, the schools uh, you know uh, open enrollment or have a fairly high acceptance rate, so that uh, you know the jobs that uh, the economy needs could be filled by trained workers who are trained at these uh, these uh, schools that they created. So you talk a little bit about the uh, the high risk. Uh, you talk about kind of the MVP in terms of some of those uh, schools and what they're actually accomplishing and delivering to those students. Uh, I want to look at it a little bit more broadly in terms of 
what what can the, the state university systems in particular is that what you're focused on this on this one? Um, what can they do to actually increase that ROI for for students? Well, there are a number of uh, uh, policy options that state governments, state university systems uh, can, can enact in order to improve ROI. I'd say number one is uh, basically make sure that uh, colleges' incentives are aligned with the economic interests of their students. So I would say, you know, states which have uh, performance-based funding, you know, funding that is uh, contingent on what students are actually earning in the labor market, you find colleges based on those outcomes, they'll have a direct incentive to make sure that they're uh, that they're creating high-value programs and making sure that students have access to them. Another, uh, another big uh, area for reform is identifying uh, specific areas where the labor market needs skilled workers. Nursing is a big one right now. Make targeted investments in expanding those programs. And number three, make sure that you don't have any artificial restrictions on your best-performing majors. You know, there are some... Uh, state universities out there, which for whatever reason have decided to restrict the number of enrollments in fields like engineering, economics, business, which are very high high return majors. You know, making sure that those uh, restrictions are are not there, hopefully, or if they are there, that they're actually justified. Uh, and so, make sure that these high value majors can be accessible to as many students as possible. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Great insight. Preston Cooper, Senior Fellow at the Foundation for Research and Equal Opportunity. Again, always looking at that uh, ROI on the investment in education. Preston, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, It's such an important conversation to get into in terms of what is that return on investment and is it really delivering? And is it really positioning students to go into the labor market to have upward mobility uh, and a path in terms of, of where they go moving forward? And I think as we look at that, uh, we've talked about some of the elite universities and some of the things that they're doing and how that whole system works in terms of networking uh, and creating opportunities. Uh, and to me, the really important thing that we have to, to recognize in all of this is, is really what what is that goal? What is that end goal of higher education? And are we delivering that? Does the cost of tuition match uh, what uh, those students are walking away with? And I, I think as we look at all the challenges and all the things that we want to see, and I think one of the things that Utah colleges do really well, and that is just create this idea of lifelong learning. Recognizing that your university degree or technical degree uh, is just the beginning. Uh, we really have to create lifelong learners. And it, it's not enough just to, to walk out with a degree. Uh, if that's the end of your learning, uh, your upward mobility is going to be pretty limited. Uh, I always love to go back to uh, some of the words from Winston Churchill. Uh, He spoke at a university here in the United States after World War II, and he spoke of all of these empires that had collapsed uh, and been defeated during the war. Uh, But then he talked about these empires, and he said quite prophetically that the next empires would be the empires of the mind. And it is so true. It's what you learn after 
you graduate that is really going to make the difference in terms of your career. And those who constantly learn uh, always have more opportunity. And so the, the big question in all of our higher education, from technical schools to formal university degrees and everything in between, is are we creating students that have this empire of the mind mentality that are going to be lifelong learners that are going to pursue excellence because excellence is always in demand. But if you get comfortable or if you've just kind of survived your university or college or trade school experience, just enough to get that certificate or to get that diploma. And that's the end. Uh, that is the end <laughs> uh, because the opportunities aren't going to come if you don't continue to learn. And it's one of the things that I often fear when I go on a college campus is I see so many who are unwilling to learn, uh, who don't want to look at all the other perspectives, who don't want to hear things that might be different from what they think. And that often limits the very purpose for a university to exist, is to challenge assumptions. Uh, I I love the one scientist who said, if anybody ever says trust the science, uh, they don't get it. Because science is always about challenging everything. And so, yes, you have science, and then you challenge that science, and you either continue to confirm it, or you find out there's something better or something that's next in that whole process. And thank heavens for those kind of learners who are the learners who change the world. And so we we have to be that forever learner, and we have to develop that from our very youngest students on through college That really is what education to me is all about, is learning to love learning and to sense that that's part of the gig here on this planet Earth thing. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for some top of the hour news. When we come back, many are criticizing Speaker-elect Kevin McCarthy for making some concessions to some of the House Republicans. But could some of those concessions actually allow all members to actually be members and legislate again? James Walner from the R Street Institute will join us coming up next. Stick around. Hour number two of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on the KSL News Radio app and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.